hello, City Hills. How are you doing, everybody? Welcome. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for being here on this nice, warm day, right? We're glad you're here. Hey, can we one more time give a hand to all of our guests that are joining us here in this service? Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us here at the 12 o'clock. And I know so many of you come to this service to make room in our other services. And thank you so much for doing that and just being you're an amazing, amazing uh, group of people. There were just chairs sitting out everywhere last service. And thank you for your sacrifice and what you do. And thank you for praying. We've been in 21 days of prayer and fasting, and it's so cool to watch people seek God together. I, I, well, we're having rain from heaven right here while I'm, while I'm preaching. Uh, but we, um, we've, been, we, we've been talking all about what happens when we seek God, what happens when we fast and pray. And thank you for doing that. Thank you. I know um, so many are waking up and... Uh, praying together with us. It's just, it's just absolutely awesome. People are praying in their homes. People are coming here. We meet Monday through Friday at 6 a.m., 6 to 7 a.m. It's uh, dark and it's early, and we pray together. And so I encourage you, uh, however it works for your schedule, uh, some are able to make it here. Some pray uh, with us online, and it, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whatever works for your schedule, just let's seek God together. It's just awesome to see what God does. I believe as long as we as a church seek the Lord, God's going to take care uh, of, of prospering uh, his church. And so he said he will build the church. So that's why we're just praying, Lord, do what only you can do. We're aiming at heaven this year, and we're praying for God to do awesome things. Everybody said amen, right? It's going to be great. So let's dig in this final week of 21 days. And hey, come to the worship night this Wednesday at the church at Knoxville. It's going to be a great time. Well, open your Bibles to Colossians uh, chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, we've been in a series called Aim at Heaven. We're talking all about what happens when we aim our lives at heaven instead of just aiming at earth. We do that so much naturally, we're just aiming at uh, the here and now instead of what would it look like if we aimed our lives at heaven. And I think we would find out that God takes care of earth. That's what this, the quote we've been looking at from C.S. Lewis, he said, aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in, aim at earth and you get neither. So I think we've all experienced that, at least I know I have to one degree or another, where we're aiming at earth and it seems like it just never works. But when we seek God, God does amazing things. So Colossians chapter 3, we've been in this passage looking at what it looks like to aim at heaven as a people. It says this, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Can you say that with me? Seek. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are of the earth. Verse 3, for you've died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I want to read that third verse again. So good. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Paul describes this reality, that the old us has passed away. It's dead. And our true life, or if I could say it this way, your true identity is with Christ in God. So I want to talk today about that identity that we have and just praying that God would help us to see who we really are because uh, it's so easy when it talks about our identity, whether you're, a, whether you're a student or to the oldest person in this room, I believe the biggest fight we have in our lives is for our identity, who we are. Because Satan is lying to us. But our true identity is not on this earth. Our true identity is hidden with Christ in God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Discovering our identity 
in Christ. So let's pray together and ask God to speak to us. Lord, would you come here at this third service today and, and just do your work. Father, I recognize you can do more in a moment than I could do in a lifetime of messages. So would you come, speak to us, speak to our hearts today. Help us see who we are. Lord, we're hungry to know who we are in you. Jesus, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. I heard a story this week about a man 12 years ago who was found behind a Burger King beaten nearly to death. And when he got to the hospital, they found out he had complete amnesia, which means he knew nothing of his past, his present, or future. And uh, the area there where, where they were in Georgia, they tried to get the word out about this man. No one, no one recognized him. Uh, the FBI tried to help and tried to use his fingerprints to find out who he was uh, to no avail. Uh, Dr. Phil got word of the story and did a television program about this man. Nobody recognized him. And uh, Dr. Phil hired a private investigator to try to find out who this man was. No one found, no, no one knew. And uh, the, the family of the nurse that took care of him in that hospital actually brought him in. And her family has been trying to help him discover who he is. And they don't know who he is. And, uh, and it's such an extreme story. But could you imagine what that would be like if, if that happened to you? Could you imagine what it would be like? You're here at church today. You got your plans. You know who you are. You know where you come from. You know you have an idea of where you're going. And then, man, you're just there's there's nobody. And and maybe I mean we'd recognize you. I mean you wouldn't go that long. I mean we would we would call Dr. Phil and let us know like, hey, they go to our church, so you know, come on, let them out. But <laughs> but but what a tragedy, you know. And it seems like such a far fetched idea, but but. In the spiritual, that's exactly what Satan is doing to each and every one of us. He's trying to get us to forget who we truly are. Spiritual amnesia. That's what Satan is trying to do in our lives. And there's a war for your identity. That Satan knows that he, can, that, that, that he, he, knows that he has no power. The Bible says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So, so I think a lot of times we inaccurately think that it's like, this cosmic battle of, you know, God and the devil. No, no, the, the, the Bible describes how the battle went. It just like God just said, doop, and you're gone. You know, there was no, there was no fight. You know, the battle's already been won, but, but Satan's a dog on a leash. He, he has limited power and limited time, and he's not like God. It's, he doesn't have the same power as God. Satan can't create, so he tries to distort our identity. He knows that he cannot defeat you, but if he can get you to think you're wrong of a wrong identity, then he can cause you to defeat yourself. So this is his plan. This is his, his tactic. Uh, the only weapon Satan has in our lives is a lie. That's it. That, that the fight, the battle, the warfare is in our minds. So Satan, I believe, is constantly lying to us about who we are and our identity. And, and, and that's, that's what I want to talk about today. Who are you? Like, really, who are you? I know who, your name. Maybe you know your social security number or uh, you have an idea of your address. At least I hope you do. But, but who are you? What, what, what labels would you use to describe who you are? Maybe you wear the label of what other people think about who you are. Maybe that's the label you're wearing. Maybe you're walking around thinking, you know what? I am uh, what my middle school teacher said I was. You know, some people, they think, well... Um, people have spoken negative things over my life or maybe even positive things. And, and we're living our lives based on some word that someone spoke 
over our lives. Whoever said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, they had no clue. Because um, words hurt more than anything else. Words other people have spoken have hurt me, but, but I'll say this, words that I have spoken over myself have hurt me even more. And that's where I think the label of insecurity I can personally identify very much with insecurity, you know, feeling insecure. I remember whenever we were coming to plant the church, I had I have deal with deal with a negative self-identity and I remember everything that counter like I felt called to come to Knoxville, but in every insecurity came into what I am not, what what I'm not. I, I had a calling, but then I had this word this in my mind of what what I'm not and I've come to define to come to find out that's a label. Uh, that we can come to put on our life or maybe your label is from your own failure and mistakes maybe it's the maybe you wear the label of shame around around and it's and and every time you try to step into like more of god you're just reminded of a failure maybe you're here today and you think i don't even belong at this church because if if all these people knew what i've done if they like knew like what i'm thinking and what i'm going through and maybe the mistakes that i've made or like my past and maybe you're here and you're kind of guarding your and maybe even come here and you come and you go, you come and you go, but you're not really connected because why? There's so much shame over you and you're just wearing this, this shame of your, of, of, of your past mistakes, of your failures, and, and, you're, and you're walking around. Or, or maybe you, the label that you, you're carrying is the label of, of your own success. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you, you're trying to project this label of success and achievement and, and, and deep down inside, you don't feel like you're good enough because the moment you stop achieving, the moment you stop uh, having that title or being successful or having the thing or driving that car or living in this place, or doing, then, then you stop being, because it's your label, it's who you are. And I believe many times we walk our world with all kinds of labels. And I could go on for days because they're each unique. And I believe each of them tried to do one thing and they each tried to define our lives apart from the call that God has on our lives. That, that, that we have a choice to make. Do we receive the labels that Satan, others, and ourselves and the world and culture have put on us or are we going to recognize the lies? And here's what we're going to do today. Recognize the lies and then we're going to replace the lies with truth. We're going to recognize the lies of the enemy about who we are and our identity, and we're going to replace them with truth. See, recognition is the beginning of the battle in our lives. That's what the book of 2 Corinthians teaches, teaches us. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says we're walking in the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we don't wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but they have divine power to destroy strongholds what is a stronghold a stronghold is any label that's not what god says about you that we wear a stronghold the word there in that scripture for stronghold is the word akamora which that word simply means a prisoner locked by deception in other words there's no lock on the door but you believe the door is locked so you never charge the door and open the door it's like the elephant that is raised uh, with, uh, with, a, with a, uh, a cord attached to its leg and a stake in the ground. And that rope and the stake, he pulls against it as a baby, pulls against it as a small elephant, and the elephant gets an akamora, a stronghold in its mind, and thinks, I'm not going to keep pulling against that because I can't make it. Every time I pull against it, it's stronger than me. 
But you know what happens in the meantime? That elephant begins to grow. And the thing that used to be able to be bigger than it, it's now bigger than. But the stronghold is still in its mind. So what it's made up in its mind is it's made up in its mind. I can never... I cannot pull against it, but it fails to remember it's grown larger than, than what once held it back. Church, can I tell you that what the enemy wants to get in your mind is a stronghold. And maybe it was a stronghold that he put there when you were a child, when you were little, and you had insecurities, and people spoke negative things over your life, and you pulled against it, and you weren't big enough, and you pulled against it, and you weren't big enough. But now, in Christ Jesus, you're bigger than the thing that, was, that you once were attached to. Yeah. So here's what he's saying. We have divine power to demolish that thing. But we have to recognize it. We have to take every lofty opinion and argument that's raised against the knowledge of God and we have to take it captive. So what is it saying? The battle's in the mind. The battle for your destiny is in your mind. Whether you're a teenager, a young adult, an empty nester, a young parent, like regardless of where you are in the stage of your life, Satan is consistently battling your identity, your identity as a mother, your identity as a leader, your identity as a father, your identity as a young as, as a single adult, your identity as a young person. Like it's a it's a war against your identity in Christ. And so I want to expose some lies and teach some truth today. And here's the awesome thing. It's straight from the Word. So I'll tell you what this is not today. This is not a, you know, by golly, you're special. You is important. You just need to, we, you just need to pull yourself up. You be somebody, buckaroo. This is not self-help. This is not just power of positive thinking. This is power of beginning to think what God thinks about you. Because there is a higher perspective than what anybody else puts on you. And it's what God says you are. I want to show, you, I want to show it to you. This whole Bible. Man, this whole Bible. This is what the Word is. It, it's, it's the truth about who you are. Jesus says you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. So in other words, if you don't know truth, you can't be set free. So Satan is nervous today because we're going to begin to show some truth about what God says you are, about who God says you are. And, and, and the truth will begin to set us free. Here's, here, here's what 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verse 10, For once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I want to take this complete, I just want to take this one passage and just show you the beauty and the truth in this one passage. And the word is filled with these passages that's why i want to challenge us get in the word get your mind out of your situation get your mind out of the labels and start getting your word getting your mind 
in getting your, getting your mind around what God says about you. As a matter of fact, the Bible, the, the, the word calls itself a sword, a weapon. Satan's going to come against you, but you got a weapon. Satan came against Jesus when he was praying and fasting. Praise God. Somebody in the middle of your praying and fasting in the wilderness, Satan comes to you. Every time Satan tried to challenge Jesus' identity, if you are the son of God, and you know what the weapon he used against Satan? He says, it is written. The word was the weapon that, that Jesus used against the enemy. And if it was a weapon good enough for Jesus, it's a weapon that we need to be using. Amen? So here it is. Here it is in this one passage. I just want to walk it backwards. We're just going to, we're just going to take it from the end to the beginning. Here's who you are in Christ, hidden with Christ in God. Number four, no, I mean number one, you are totally forgiven. You are totally forgiven. When the lie comes to you about your past, I want to remind you, you are totally forgiven. 1 Peter chapter 2, we read it. It says, at, once time, at once you, one time you did not know God's mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. In Christ, your past is behind you. It's been cast into the sea of forgetfulness. And many Christians today still think when tra tragedy happens in your life, it's God getting you back. For the mistakes that you've made in your sins. Romans 8.1 declares that's a lie. Because it says anyone who is in Christ. Is a new creation. There is now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. See it, it, Satan says shame on you. God says shame off you. You're completely forgiven in Christ. You know. Before you were even born. God knew the worst thing that you would do. And he still loved you. In Christ, you're completely forgiven. I want Seth to sink into somebody's spirit because some of us, Satan is lying to you and putting shame and failure on you. And I want you to just remind Satan every time you think about the failure and every time he reminds you about that sin, you just remind him, I am completely forgiven. It's not just a partial. It's not just pushing back a little bit of sin. No, in Christ, I'm completely forgiven. Past, present, and future. Here we go. Here's number two about that same passage I'm completely I'm totally forgiven but not not just that I am eternally loved number two I am eternally loved he says once you were not a people but now you are the people of God it says that the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light do you know that God loved you in your darkness I love what Pastor Derek said whenever he was welcome, welcoming us he said in our sin he loved us in our worst moment, he loved us. I think we are surrounded just in, on earth with conditional love. And I think at best, I mean, I'm a parent, and at best, I want to give my kids unconditional love. But my love falls so short of just unconditional love. I have to co constantly go back to God and say, God, help me. Give me strength. Help me know what it means like to truly love like you love. But God's love is not like any love you could give or you've ever experienced. It's completely unconditional. The love of God has nothing to do with what you've done and has everything to do with what He's done for you. Don't ever confuse it. Don't ever confuse what you do for God and what God's done for you. 
because Christianity is not about some righteousness that you work and achieve from God because, but, but, but Christianity is about a righteousness that you receive from God for what he's done you don't, get, you don't get loved because of what you've done you get love and get grace and get mercy because of what Jesus has done for you every time you feel unloved every time there's some of us because of hurt and pain we felt, reject, we felt rejected. And Satan lies to us and says, people really knew you. So we, we usually, we do this, this one, this success. Put the success label on. We project strength. Why? Because we think in our heart of hearts, if somebody really knew who I really was, they wouldn't love me. You know what God says? I know exactly who you are. And there's nothing you could do to change how much I love you. There's no hiding with God. God says, I know who you are. I know what you've done. And I love you more than the world itself. See, in Christ, you are not only totally forgiven. In Christ, you are eternally loved. In other words, it's not something that's going to change with time. It's not something that's going to change with, 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 with the world. It's not something that's going to, God's not going to change his mood. I love what one man said, God's in a good mood. You are eternally loved by your great and mighty God. Here's another one. In Christ, I am extremely valuable. In Christ, I am extremely valuable. He said, you are a holy nation, a people belonging to God I love that see the word holy is the word uh, separate or specifically separated for a divine purpose so like in heaven for example um, when the angels cry holy 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 they're saying essentially there's, there's no one like God he's completely separate he's completely other and in the Old Testament there were different items that would be used in the temple like, like cups and bowls and lampstands and things like that and they would say these cups are supposed to be separate and they're holy unto God so in other words it's a common thing but the moment God separates it and the, mo the moment it becomes God's so like when it's in your cupboard it's just a bowl but like you put it in God's cupboard it's holy you know it's a big deal and uh, a value of something is determined by who owns it so if somebody famous owns something, it can be valuable. You know, I have tennis shoes in my, in my uh, closet at home, but I promise you, LeBron James' tennis shoe, we could have the same shoes. Like, we could go to finish line together. We could go to the mall together and both buy the same shoes. But uh, I promise his shoes are going to be a little bit more valuable than mine. It's gotta, he's going to be able to do something a little bit different than what I can do with those shoes, right? Because the moment someone of significance owns something, it changes something from being common to something that's valuable. Something that's common to something that's valuable. I saw where celebrities, there's been different auctions and things of just kind of random items. And uh, Justin Timberlake's half-eaten piece of toast was sold for over $3,000. Uh, Britney Spears... Brought, there was 14, someone paid $14,000 for, uh, for some chewed bubble gum from her. And someone bought a piece of Justin Bieber's hair for over 40000 
dollars. You talk about some common stuff. I need to see how much my hair is worth. I need to see if, if I can get what JT's got with that burnt toast. You know, I want to see what, what is it though? What is it? It's something, you know, it's, it's something valuable because it's, because it's been in the hands of someone that's valuable, someone that we see as famous or someone who's important. And, and, and you know this, that God says about you, you're mine. You belong to me. And you're not valuable because of who you are. You're valuable because of whose you are. You're in the hands of Almighty God. That you're not a nobody because He chose you and, and you're His. You're His special possession. You're valuable because you're owned by God. Don't. I know you have the same issues as, as others, and you feel common. I feel common. But, but you know, we're not common because of who, who, who we belong to. We, we, we belong to a great Father, the greatest God, our God, the only God. The second thing that makes something valuable, not only who owns it, but how much someone's willing to pay for it or give for it. When you think about your life, there's been a high price paid for it. You know, I was just captivated this week by the simple gospel, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that He gave, and this is the part that's so big, His only Son. And I know that's one of those verses that, you know, we've known most of our lives, whether you grew up in church or not. If you know any verse, it's probably you've heard of, of, of one of those, of that verse. But... I just wanted to sink into you a little bit. He gave his only son. I've never heard of someone being willing to let their own kids suffer and, 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 and die a horrendous death just for someone who rejects them or someone like us, someone that's broken. But, but God says, understand the value that I have placed on you. I valued you more valuable than my only son's life. So next time you say to yourself, you're nothing. You are nobody. Next time you put a label on of no value, you need to recognize it's a lie because God gave his only son's life for you. You are more valuable than the world itself. God says, if you could line up the whole, if you could put the whole world on a scale and then on the other side put a single soul. He says, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? He says that, the, that one man's soul would tip the scales of the whole world every single time because in Christ you're valuable to God. You're valuable to God. You're extremely valuable to God. Here's, here's the next thing. Number four, I'm fully capable in Christ. I'm fully capable in Christ. He says, you're a royal priesthood. <laughs> a royal priesthood. I think so many of us live with deep insecurities about who we are. Deep insecurities about what we are and who we are and what we've done. And, 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 and we, get these, we get these moments where we think, I'm going to change the world. And I'm going to make a difference. And then Satan lies to us and says, no, you're nobody. You can't do anything. You're, you're not called. You're not special. You don't have any. You don't, you're going to do something for God. You can't even get your own life together. You're going to do something for God. Look at you. You're, you. you're not capable of doing anything. And of all the things God says, don't forget, you are a royal priest. 
Like, in other words, you got a high calling on your life. I grew up thinking, um, I didn't come from some ministry home or like people, you know, you know my, my, my parents weren't pastors or anything like that. And, 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 and I, I remember growing up thinking, you know what, callings are for people that stand on stages. Like, and I, I, I spent a lot of my life thinking that, man, I wasn't really called to do something great. And man, I, have, I, I see now that God has a call on every single person that we all have a call. We all have something that God has called us to do. And we want to help you as a church do that. We've we built this whole church not on just you coming and sitting and supporting the calling of, of, of others. We want you to live out the calling that God has on your life. Because I just believe if I'll do my call and you'll do your call and you'll do your call, then we'll see this city change for the glory of God. Like, here's the deal. I can't go to... Farragut High School or to your middle school or your co-op where you meet or your workplace or the university so you know what Satan wants to do he wants to lie and say you know what you're not really doing anything great you can't do anything great in your world where God says no you're a royal priest where you are and the kingdom of God is going to University of Tennessee when you step through those doors and the kingdom of God's opening the doors to that business when you say tomorrow morning that we're open for business and we're open to, to the, you have a calling where you are and Satan lies to you and says no you're insignificant I believe that's the, one of the biggest lies of the, of the enemy especially to, uh, to, to, to moms and people in the middle of you know I'm just changing diapers no you're not you're changing the world raising that child to, to make a difference, to make a world-changing impact for the kingdom of God. It's so easy in the middle of life, we just think we're insignificant. God says, no, 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 you're a royal priest. What's a priest do? It represents God to man and man to God. It's a huge responsibility. It says, everywhere you go, you're representing who I am to a world that needs me so desperately. Here's the last and final thing. And what he says, he says, you are a chosen words I'm not only totally forgiven eternally loved extremely valuable fully capable I am completely accepted by God God says I chose you I chose you to do something great for me God says I picked you to be on my team I think the deepest wounds in our life oftentimes comes from when we feel rejected. And we do anything to be accepted. Man, whenever I was a, a kid, I remember I had my, my first best friend when I was just a little kid. His name was Eric, and he would always say, uh, if you don't do this, I won't be your friend no more. That's what he'd always say. <laughs> and me, I'd always say, well, okay, well, I'll do it then. If you, you know. <laughs> and you know what? I, I feel like I do the same thing today. I live my life trying to get acceptance from wearing labels trying to be something I'm not where I've learned God doesn't bless the fake you he only blesses the real you that he's called you to be Ephesians chapter 1 I want to share this scripture with you before we go it's so good Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 speaks of I want you to I want you to feel this today know who you are chosen 
He said, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In other words, before the world even began, God chose you. You didn't choose to serve God. God says, He chose you. It says, in love He predestined us for adoption of sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. So when God talks about His choosing us, He uses the word adoption. He says He adopted us. In other words, He was intentional with it. I've never seen, I've never seen an accidental adoption or an unplanned adoption. I've heard of unplanned pregnancies. I've heard of people having a wild night and having an unplanned pregnancy. But I've never heard of somebody having a wild night and accidentally adopting three or four kids. God says, you're not an accident. I chose you. I planned you. It's already, it's part of your destiny. Why don't you start speaking what God says about you over your life? Why don't you stop speaking the lies that Satan is speaking over you and start saying, no, that's a lie. Recognize it. Recognize it when it comes. Recognize that's a lie. I'm not a failure. I'm not what other people say about me. No, that's a lie. That's not who I am. You know what? I'm not insecure. I feel insecure, but my feelings, they may be real, but they're not always true. So so that's not, I may feel that way, but that's not who I am. I'm not going to speak that death over my life. You know what? I may feel shame. Satan may say shame on me, but God says no shame off me. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm not my biggest failure. I'm not my biggest mistake. I may have made some mistakes, but I'm not a mistake. I'm a child of God. I wish somebody would take this kind of mentality, this kind of heart, and say this, who am I? You know what? I'm whatever God says I am. That's who I am. I'm not what I say. I'm not what I feel. I'm not what you say. I'm what God says I am. That's who I am. So this week, let's open it up. Let's see who He says I am. And then when we see it, let's say it. Let's stop speaking death over our life. Let's stop speaking death over our kids. Let's stop speaking death over our future. Let's walk into our world. Let's walk into our high schools and our middle schools and our campuses and our workplaces. Start speaking what God says about us. Totally forgiven. Every eye head bowed, every every eye closed. I want you to speak this out. I am totally forgiven. I am eternally loved. I am extremely valuable. I am fully capable. And I am completely accepted. Lord, thank you for your word. We receive it today. Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us the lies of the enemy? Would you help us to see where we've been believing the lie? Would you help us to believe your truth in us? Your truth sets us free. We receive that freedom today in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you say, I've been living my own life, my own way, and it's not working out, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ today. I don't want a service to go by without giving someone the opportunity to give your life completely to Him. Just say, Jesus, I'm yours. Take all of me. Take my failures. Take my success. Take my whole life. 
I put it in your hands today. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my God. I need you. Fill me with your spirit. I choose today to receive my true identity as a son or, or daughter of God.